Welcome to Warriors Opera, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Locked On Warriors podcast. During our conversation, we looked at how the NBA's proposed late December start date for next season could impact Golden State. Wes, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Um, kind of a last minute uh, pod. I, I, I had a plan to do someone else today. He That fell through and being the great friend and colleague that you are, you, you rushed to my to my aid. So I really appreciate it, Wes. Um, it's been kind of yeah. No, it's good to know that I'm, I'm good to know that I'm Plan B right off the bat. That's a good signal to your listeners. Like, well, I don't even want to talk to this guy, but I needed to get a podcast well, out. So we talked so much. You know, I got to mix it up a little bit, but you know what? You're Mister Reliable, and uh, I think judging off our numbers, the, the listeners tend to appreciate, or maybe they don't appreciate. What Some of your listeners say. hate me. And I think that's part of why they listen. So, hey, you know, right. hate listens are listens too. Um, it's all good. <laughs> um, you have said some of your most polarizing stuff probably ever on this pod. So I'm very proud to say that. Um, and <laughs> the, the the interesting, the big news, obviously, this past week was uh, the news that it's looking like there's a decent chance that the NBA season will mm-hmm. start December 22nd. Um, that is quite a change from what we had thought before. Um, I think we, we were all of the mindset that it was going to be sometime between January, February, maybe even March uh, before the season started. But um, it looks like the league is, is valuing getting the season done before the Olympics over ha- maximizing the amount of fans that are in arenas, um, which I can understand. Um, they want to, they want to get it done. They want to, you know, get, get a good 75 game season in and then still have players be able to do the Olympics um, makes sense to me. When you first and, heard and that, the players will have their summers too that way. I think that's yeah, and, and perhaps most importantly, it'll be easier for them to get on a normal right schedule going forward because um, I don't think they want the entire NBA calendar forever be changed because of no. the global pandemic. So it's not an ideal situation uh, if they end up starting in, in late December. It's going to have a huge trickle down effect. Uh, well, basically what it means is the next two months are going to be insane. Um, you have the NBA draft November 18th. You you would potentially have to start free agency immediately after that. Uh, and then in the Warriors case, they have the $17.2 million trade exception. They'll have to figure out what they're doing with that. So you're getting, you're figuring out your the rest of your roster. And then you have a shortened abbreviated training camp. I mean, you're looking at, a pretty quick training camp and potentially no preseason. And then you're just starting, you know, the NBA season with fewer games than normal. So every regular season game is going to matter more. So if you have teams that had to overhaul their roster in the next month or two, that they're at a competitive disadvantage in some ways, because they're going to have to learn on the fly and take some, have some learning curve, which could result in some losses, which could end up mattering, you know, come, you know, playoff time. Yeah, I think that's, you're hitting on something key there. I think the Warriors and a lot of other teams might just value continuity more than anything, which is really tough for this free agent class. I mean, you're going to have, I think, veterans go unsigned when the season starts. And just as a couple of points of information, uh, I think it was Sham Sarania from The Athletic reported uh, the day we were recording this, that Michelle Roberts was pushing back, and, and she was at least hearing from players pushing back a little bit on the December 22nd start date, maybe pushing more for January. 
this is just my opinion. My my feel is that that those players pushing back are probably the players that went late into the bubble. LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, you know, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, all these kind of guys, these star players who played so late into the bubble that it's really unfair to them, honestly, to start the season as quickly as they would. They're going to have two months off compared to what a usual offseason is, four months, right? So it's 50% of a half of what their normal off time would be versus a team like the Warriors who are going to be a, probably a playoff team next year. We can fit, we'll, we'll see if they're really contenders, but at least in the playoffs, they're going to have about eight months off, but more. That's double what the regular offseason is. I mean, that disparity is insane. It is. Uh, and so you can't, like, you would, you would guess that somebody like LeBron James, who has so much power in this league, yeah. is going to say, you know what? I, I know that you want this revenue and all that stuff. I get it, but I want to win a championship. And the best chance for me to do that is for this season to start on January 18th or something like that, where it's a little bit more manageable. You get another month off if you're LeBron, which could be, that means a lot, right? And so that's, that's a lot closer to what a normal offseason would be. Um, but for the Warriors, to try to just bring it back. Yeah, I think you're right. They might be a little rusty right out the gate, right? And maybe they do end up doing like two, three, four preseason games or something like that. Um, but they're going to be rusty right out of the gate. When you have 72 games versus 82 games, every game is going to matter that much more. And, but on the flip side of that, Connor, I, I think that come March, April, they're going to be a lot more fresh than a team like the Lakers or the Clippers. Yeah. They might be hitting a wall at that point, which could end up serving the Warriors uh, pretty well, I think, at that point. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the, the the big narrative when this news first came out in the Bay Area was just that this was going to be a positive thing long-term for the Warriors. But I think you also have to take into account that, uh, you know, you, you're, you're trying to work back staff who wasn't at minicamp, Draymond, who wasn't at minicamp and, and was off and on injured throughout the season. Clay Thompson, uh, who's missed over a year with that ACL. Kevon Looney, who basically might as well have not played last year. I mean, when he did play, it was, it was right. rough because he was so injured. No, um, look, the, the Warriors are going to be rusty, man. Like, they're yeah. going to be. And so this idea that a December start versus a January start is any better for the Warriors is nonsense. Like they are rest. They, the rust has set in. They are rusted. Right. I mean, it doesn't I, matter. I can't imagine how, if this does end up happening, how kind of overwhelmed Steve Kerr is going to feel going into training camp because there's just so much on the to-do list and there's literally no way you can do it all. There's no, no, this is a, this is a negative for the Warriors, not only for Steve Kerr and the players. I think this is just a, a negative because you want to be able to take your time in training camp. You want to work through a full preseason. You want to do all these things because you don't want to be rusty when the regular season starts. And in this timeline, this calendar, they there's a greater chance that they would be despite them starting a month earlier than January or February. Um, the other part of this is for Bob Myers, this front office, they're going to have to rush through the most important offseason of their tenure. I know that they've had seven months at this point to prepare for it. And so if they fail, it's kind of on them anyway. Right. But it's they've got – I think like the Warriors, a lot of teams are going to value, like I said before, continuity. The Warriors have 13 guys under guaranteed contract. Now, there's a kind of there, – there, there's or not guaranteed contract, but under contract. Right. Now, I know that there's guys like Michael Mulder and Juan Toscano-Anderson and players like that that precarious their roster spot is, right? Like they, like, they can always convert them to two ways or release them in favor of a veteran on the veteran minimum or, or somebody on the mid-level exception. But given how cramped this entire thing is, it might just be like, hey, number two pick, 
let's get somebody with the mid-level exception or the trade exception done with roster. Like, let's just get going. Right. Like, there's a greater chance of that happening in what is such a pivotal offseason that that, I think, would be a detriment to this team because there's going to be a lot of, like, other, if you had a normal offseason, there would be a lot more time for some wheeling and dealing, a lot more time for somebody to, for, for the Warriors to explore what they could do with the trade exception, a lot more time to check in with uh, veterans who are free agents and that, that could potentially help them versus, like, hey, let's just cut this thing quick and dirty and let's just get going, which I think could happen to the Warriors and several other teams. We'll have more of my conversation with Les Goldberg right after the break. I think that they, they're going to be more apt to be a little bit more conservative um, given the timetable. Um, I also think there's probably a little bit better chance that they won't end up using the trade player exception mm-hmm. um, if, if it ends up being on this truncated timeline. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see specifically – what happens in free agency. Um, I mean, I know they've had so much time to prepare for the draft, but to go from free agency to suddenly having to gear up for the, for or go from the draft to suddenly having to gear up for free agency within a day or two, that's, it's a big task. I mean, um, and I'm sure they already have a, a, a wish list of guys, but um, you know, they've never had to navigate this sort of timeline. And as we know, free agency tends to happen in the first day or two. I mean, the, the yeah. big, big dominoes really fall in the first day or two. And I kind of wonder if with this, if just with the weirdness of everything, if it's going to, if it's going to change players willingness to sign right away. And if, if that's just going to change the timeline for all teams in terms of how they go about things. I mean, are the Warriors going to be in a situation where they're going to have to make a decision on their number two guy before they really know what's happening with the number one guy. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. And look, And look, credit to where credit's due. The Warriors have shown um, an ability to react on the fly. The entire Kevin Durant, D'Angelo Russell sign and trade was all on the fly. Now, granted, it was something that the front office had thought about. And when Kevin Durant decided to sign Brooklyn, they called Brooklyn and said, hey, what about this? And so it was something that was thought about ahead of time. But again, it was all sort of done on the fly. So this this front office does have an experience doing that, but what you're saying is absolutely right. It's one thing to prepare for the number two pick in the draft when you have a modicum of control, but free agency, you could prepare for months and have no freaking clue what happens because the draft is going to happen. That's going to change every team's team needs. And then a day later, you're going to presumably start this free agency. Things are going to shift. And you're right. Like you say, let's just take the guy who says yes first, or do we have an opportunity to wait it out? And if we wait it out too long, is options one, two, three, four, five off the table, and also, that could be a problem. We, just a side note: do we do we actually know what's happening with Marcus Hull? Because I mean, I've seen I've seen so many. Uh, can he even reports. get out of the country at this point? Like, I don't even know. I mean, it it's weird because that report came out that he was signed with FC Barcelona, and then FC Barcelona comes out and says that's not true. So it's like, you know, I, I have a hard time really analyzing what the Warriors can do for agency when I don't know what. Mark Gasol's status is because I think he'd be the 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 number one prize at least at that center position for them on the mid level. Yeah, I think I, at this point I would say since the team said that they're not signing him, I would assume that they haven't signed him. Um, I think he's available. Uh, he might be talking to other teams in Spain and wondering if he can eventually make the move over there. But if you're Marcus Gasol, maybe it makes more sense to just do one more NBA season and then go to Spain. It's not like the Spain thing is always going to be available for him. He's a, he's a star there. Like he could do that when he's 50 years old. It won't matter. But um, 
I think that he's definitely on the list, somebody that the Warriors should call. Serge Ibaka's got to be on that list. Danilo Gallinari, with his recent comments about wanting to yeah. play for Canada, I would definitely put him on the list. Yeah. And those would be, honestly, the three guys that I would – those in, in whatever order that the Warriors decide, those would be the three phone calls I'm making with the mid-level exception. And beyond that, I don't know that there's a person worth the mid-level exception in free agency. I also really like Danilo Gallinari's potential fit on this team. as kind of a Oh, my God. It's perfect. Type. Uh, he can be a secondary ball handler. He can knock down the open three. He's experienced. You, you can play him meaningful playoff minutes, not have to worry about it. I love that fit. If they could get him on the mid level, that would be an absolute coup. Um, you, he's a, you have a you have a borderline. If if they do get Gallinari at the mid level, you have a borderline all star, which he is yeah. doing the best Kevin Durant impression that he can do. That's what he would do on this roster, and that's I mean, exactly he, how he fits. Doesn't even need to start. You know, he, he could come off the bench and lead your second unit. That's a great asset to have leading your second unit. Um, and yeah, he would, play, he, would, he would play a lot. He would probably take the Andre Iguodala role as far as minutes goes right. and being your sixth man. But your, your closing lineup would be Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Danilo Gallinari, and Jamon Green. Like, Gallinari played center sometimes last season. Like, he can do it. Yeah. Uh, he's not great at it, but he can do it. Um, and you obviously have Draymond Green there on the back line. Yeah, and, you know, it, it'd be interesting just kind of getting real in the weeds here. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about their interest in Denny. To me, Denny is kind of like a miniature young Gaianari. Could he, like, ha- have a year, like, learning from Gaianari, you know, mm. and, and and then try to slide into that role going forward? Um, it'd be interesting. Um, but, you know, the draft is actually – it's coming up here now. We're only <laughs> we're only a few weeks away. Um, one One – one thing that I think we need to look at when we're talking about this potential December 22nd timeline is how it affects the Warriors' bottom line financially and how that'll impact their decision-making going forward. Um, I know you and I have both talked to Joe Lacob recently. I know he's, he's, he's been, he hasn't been as open about saying we're going to spend big the way, the way we, uh, the way we always do. He hasn't come out and said those words, which makes me think maybe finances will be somewhat of a factor going forward, um, especially given the fact that they almost definitely will have to start the season with no fans in attendance, um, which also means no concerts, no events at Chase Center. Um, and uh, I do I do think it helps in some ways that it's starting sooner rather than later. You can get that TV, TV revenue, which really drives yeah. it in a lot of ways. So maybe it kind of cancels out a little bit. But regardless, even if there isn't a major drop in the in the salary cap, they're they're going to face a massive luxury tax. Do you think that that's going to be the difference in their mind between you know using uh, you know using the full mid level or uh, maybe trying to trade back in the drafts? So you're not spending ten million dollars on a rookie, that kind of thing. I think that the. Warriors are going to take somebody at number two if there's the person that they want at number two, right? I don't think they're going to trade back to take maybe a lesser player in their mind just to save some money. I, I, I don't. I think if they're going to spend anywhere, they're going to say, you know what, we earned this number two pick by having the worst record in the league. Let's go ahead and use it. It's going to serve us well in the future. They can make up for that by selling their second round picks. Um, they can make up for it by not using the full mid-level or the full trade exception. And I think that's where they might start cutting costs. Uh, there's been a lot of scuttle recently about, oh my God, the Warriors are only going to use the trade exception in a special circumstance or something like that. Bob Myers has basically been saying that 
all along, like since exit interviews, like the trade exception is only going to be used on the right player. And this is the this is kind of framing that I keep using for like Warriors fans because I get a lot of questions about this too. I'm sure you do. Um, like, why wouldn't the Warriors use the? Are, are the Warriors going to use the full trade exception? Like, Warriors fans really want them to use the 17.2 million dollar trade exception. And my comeback is always this: It's going to depend on the player, no doubt. Right. How bummed is a Warriors fan going to be if they don't get Rudy Gay? How bummed is a Warriors fan going to be if they don't end up with Kelly Olynyk? How bummed is a Warriors fan going to be if they like? The, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you like when you really put a player to people, the exception? I think part of the reason why people want them to use the trade exception so badly is we don't have a realistic idea of who they could actually get with it. I think a lot right. of people think they can get this like all-star caliber guy, which is not going to happen. Um, and given their financial situation, you really need to be getting someone who's going to give you guaranteed helpful minutes in the playoffs. If you're willing to eat that kind of salary when you're already deep in the right. I mean, so the one, the, the, the one thing I would say is that like, there is value in maintaining that cap slot. So if that trade exception expires, then that's like, let's say you get Rudy Gay on an expiring deal. He's making $14 million. The real value there is that you now hold a $14 million cap slot on that roster, which was sort of the D'Angelo Russell science, right? That was, so I understand that. And if you kind of take, and you kind of start projecting, if they take somebody at number two who makes $10 million and you take this guy at 14 or $17 million or whatever they end up using, you put those two together, you're very close to a max salary. Throw in an Eric Paschal or a Jordan Poole or a Kevon Looney, you're right there. And you can basically match any salary uh, for whatever superstar. You lump in your first-round picks, boom, you got a ready-made package without having to give up Andrew Wiggins, right? And right. it's not that they would necessarily not want to give up Andrew Wiggins. It's that Andrew Wiggins might not have that much trade value in the first place. Right. And so um, you look around the league, and if, like, Giannis is signaling by the trade deadline, I'm out of here. Or if what's going on with Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers in Philadelphia and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid's not working by the trade deadline, we know Daryl Morey is like really quick to pull triggers on the trade deadline. He'll do anything, uh, and it's not working out. You want to have those stackable salaries, right, where you're a little bit more flexible. That, to me, is the biggest value of this trade exception. Yeah, could they do a bridge buy where they go ahead and, and figure out a way to get uh, – a like? I don't think they're going to get a superstar with this trade exception – this offseason, I think you could potentially get there later on. But even like the other names that are thrown out there, like the Aaron Gordons and the Miles Turners, where no. you can stack, like, where, like, is that, that's not worth it. Like, Aaron Gordon doesn't really help Golden State's chances. Like, he's not, like, I don't think they can. I, I th- right, you're right. Like, well, even, that's what I'm saying. Like, even this hypothetical of you trade for James Johnson or Cody Zeller and then you stack that with Kevon Looney and then boom, you've got the salary. Yeah. And you throw a first round pick on there or whatever. Like, would, that's not worth it to me. Like the, to me, the jig is up on Aaron Gordon. Like he's not that helpful of a player. Miles Turner, same thing. Like he's not that, like he lost to DeMontis Sabonis, his job. So like that to me, yeah, isn't Sabonis the special is a circumstance. Player than him. Yeah. Yeah. And like Miles Turner is like nice, but he's like, okay not worth he's 18 million. Defensively. Um, no, he's not going to really provide you much offensively. So that's, that's to me where I end up with this trade exception is, there's really not a single player out there that makes a ton of sense as a fit. The real value is just maintaining that cap slot and being able to stack salaries in the future for if there is an all-star trade down the line. And if there isn't, then maybe, you know, that, that salary comes off the books. You, you pay a little bit in the luxury tax and, and then you move on. Yeah, no, it, it'll be, it'll be really fascinating to see. And, and I'm sure hopefully from their perspective, the hay is kind of in the barn, so to speak with, 
the draft. I know they're still working out guys and seeing them in person and doing kind of their due diligence, but I think they have a pretty clear idea of what they want to do in the draft at this point. Yeah. And then they can really start focusing more of their energy toward getting a really nuanced plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D for free agency, because that's going to be those first two days of free agency, especially given the potentially crunch timeline and just where this team is at, probably going to be two of the most important days of Bob Myers tenure. Yeah. I think, you know, look, I'm not in that front office. I don't, I'm not a general manager. I only play one on podcasts, but (laughs) I kind of feel like, I feel like it's kind of simple for them. Like, all right, number two, take the guy you like, right? If that's Anthony Edwards, if that's James Wiseman. If but Wes, they're definitely trading back, right? Everyone's saying that. Everyone's reporting that, right? What are right, you talking they're, about? They're, there's literally no chance they're going to use the number two pick, right, Wes? I don't know where that reporting came from. That was a lot of, like, hoopla, right? Like, to me, that was a lot of, and, you know, this, it started, just, this is just. started at the lottery. Uh, Woods basically said that. Uh, right. Well, and this, this is just two friends talking. I don't know anybody's listening to us yeah. right now, but I, I do. I, it it did come. It, it it comes off as like a lot of outsider talk. Like obviously the Warriors would trade the pick, and right. it's like no. Everything that I've heard from the beginning was that the Warriors want to draft a future All Star with this pick. You have the best chance of doing that at number two. Now I'm not saying like just you know hypothetically. I'm not saying they wouldn't be open to trading back. I think that they definitely could trade back, but it's going to take the right offer. And right. it's, but it's not a given. And I don't think that they're going to trade all the way back to like 10 or right. 11. Like and that's the, too far. And the thing is, this draft is so fluid that if there's someone you really like, you, sh- you might as well just take them at number two and not worry about the, I've always said that out there who are going to say it was a reach. Who if really Devin cares? Vassell's your guy, if Denny's your guy, if Tyrus Halliburton's your yeah. guy, I and don't it's care. Like, the thing is, if you trade Take back him. to, like, let's say you trade back to eight, which is a, a spot we've talked about before. Let's say they trade back to eight. Is Are any of the guys that they – and do any of the guys that they like, are they going to be there at eight? Like, there's not a guarantee. of The exactly. odds are that maybe one of several of the guys they like will be there, but, you know, there's no guarantees of anything. And so, like – just take the guy you like and call it a day and move on with your life. Like that's, that's exactly insane. Man. That's the offseason plan. Take the guy you like. Yeah. You already know who you like. You right. have a decent idea enough of who's going to be there. Right. right. And like one, one guy we've talked a lot about is Denny and I know they really like Denny. Um, and I've, everyone, whenever I've written about Denny or talked about Denny, the, the message I get from people on Twitter and emails and what have you is like, well, cool. They like Denny. Great. Well, you got to trade back and then draft him. It's like, no, there's no one knows where Denny Denny could very well be a top three draft. Pick. I mean, he could go I, number one to Minnesota. He's exactly what they possible. need. I mean, honestly, what this is just me guessing, but I think what's going to happen is at least one of those three big names that are considered the quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes. We're on zoom here. Yeah. Uh, uh, top three guys as in Edwards, Wiseman and ball. One of them is going to plummet. And by plummet, I mean, like gonna fall to the mid to late lottery. Um, um, I I think it's probably gonna be Wiseman or Ball. Um, okay. They're they're gonna fall, and just as one of those guys falls, other guys are gonna go much earlier than you think. That's mm-hmm. gonna happen. Yeah, you're gonna have surprises in this draft. You're gonna have surprises in this draft for sure. I'm with you. I I think if you're the Warriors, 
just you're sitting there at number two. If the trade back materializes, that's the other thing. It's so easy to say, yeah, just trade back. Well, for what? Like, what are you trading back for? Are, unless you're getting this unprotected future first round pick from like Cleveland or Chicago or Charlotte or one of these teams or Atlanta, like one of these teams that might not be contenders anytime soon. That to me was, is what would make it happen. But these, like nobody trades unprotected picks, like maybe a lightly protected pick. But like once that protection start getting to like top eight, top 10, I'm like, no, forget it. Like it's not even worth it. Let me just take the guy I like at number two. Um, it, it's much, it's easier to say just trade back. It's much harder to figure out who the logical trade partner for trade back would be, right? And so I think if you're the Warriors, just take the guy you like. And I'm not saying, it, again, a trade back could happen. Um, I, I think that teams like Charlotte, if they're really in love with Wiseman, he's there at number two, could move up, right? right. I think uh, I think teams like Chicago, if they really want Lamelo, could move up. Like, but we're not talking about all the way back to like seven or eight. We're talking about like three, four, five, that kind of range. Um, On a real level, how excited are you for the draft to finally get here? Because you and I have analyzed every single yes. of this draft for legitimately for seven, eight months. Yeah, I was talking to a, a writer friend of mine who uh, covers the Heat, and he was talking about how he is so sick of the draft. And I was like, bro, your season just ended. Like, you've been covering the draft for like 24 hours. Like, I've been doing this for five months. Like, I, I've, actually, if you really think about it, we've been doing it for longer. Like, we've known that the Warriors are going to have a lottery pick since, like, December. Like I was writing about the draft. the draft pretty often during the season. Yeah. Like, I am so sick of this draft. I'm so, like, I don't know what I'm more excited to be over with, the election or this draft. Like, I honestly have, like, it's, it's a toss-up. No, I, 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 I feel the exact same way. And it's kind of funny that they're within a couple weeks of each other. Um, but... Yeah, no, it's getting absurd. I mean, you and I have profiled pretty much every guy that the Warriors maybe, possibly, hopefully, mm-hmm. sort of, maybe could take in this draft. Yeah, And yeah. we're talking, like, in-depth profiles where we're doing reporting. And, like, there is nothing more for me to say. I'm I'm done. Stick a fork me, man. I hate all these rookies. <laughs> Wes, thank you so much, man, for joining me on the pod and, uh, you know, being an awesome villain because because you're a starting caliber guy who just happened who just happened to come off the bench today. I really I really appreciate it. Um, as always, where can our where can our listeners find your stuff? Yeah, read my work over at themercurynews.com. Find my podcast, Locked On Warriors Daily Warriors content, and I link to all of it on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. Always appreciate his thoughts on the Warriors. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 